You're listening to Sport, Digital and Social with Mr. Richard Clark. A bit into the glass bowl in the next 12 to 18 months, I think the contractual relationship between the player and the club will change because at the moment the club gives content free to the player from the training grounds and everything and I think in future they might charge him. Amazon for me is a social network already because... You feel it's a social network? For you me, class it's, it's a social network. I, we class it as a social network. Clubs travel to China, travel to Indonesia on a 48-hour trip just for a friendly, sometimes even launching a digital channel just for that purpose of the trip and coming home with, with 200,000 euros in their pocket and then forget basically the, to fill up the digital channels after that. Richard Clark here. I'm a sports digital social media consultant working with clubs, leagues, rights holders and athletes. And in this podcast, we're talking social media and data. Now, when I started as a journalist, content was mainly about words and still images. Now, it's all about videos and numbers. Every content creator has to know their analytics. And the best hacks are often found with the deepest dives into the numbers. In this podcast, I'm talking to one of the best analysts in sports digital. Mario Leo adores numbers, and his company, Result Sport, analyzes the numbers deeply, but does much more than that too. I went to visit him near Frankfurt to discuss the trends he's noticed in sports social media, particularly among football clubs, in 2017, and what we can expect in 2018. By the way, check out the show notes at mrrichardclark.com, including links to Mario and Result Sport. You can find me at Mr. Richard Clark on all social media. Here's Mario. My name is Mario Leo. I am the founder and general manager of Result Sports. 2010, we've um, established Result Sports, and Result Sports is a digital sports platform where um, experts, administrators, social media executives meet, gather, share information, share insights, share best practices, um, share data and visuals, and um, yeah, for the last seven years, basically participated, guided, evolved digital media and sports organizations. So Mario, results sport are known for statistics. That's that's the kind of the main thing you've, you're known for, and certainly the way you publicise yourself. So, what sort of year has it been in social media statistics for sports clubs? What's what's happened? What are the trends you've noticed? Well, it's a lot. A lot has happened, uh, Rich, because basically it was it was a, an entire shift, and, and every month, literally, there was a little bit of a difference. Um, obviously, the, the, the relevance of, of platforms like Foursquare, Google Plus have significantly decreased. Uh, they're almost abandoned uh, by sports organizations. Platforms like Instagram and Snapchat has, has, um, has gotten a much more strategic role overall. Facebook, second half of the year, has put many clubs into significant challenges because of, of the um, adjustments to, to, the, to the algorithms, to the newsfeed. Um, reach was reduced significantly um, and that obviously impacted so yeah if there's been been tremendous um, evolution and probably one interesting fact which um, we monitor obviously that um, Instagram 2017's evolution has been on a collective mode they gathered a lot of, of fans and followers in their communities and if you if we compared it with our data because it tracks back seven years and we can really see parallels between Instagram 2017 and Facebook 2014, where Facebook was uh, on a very peak year, growing a lot. And obviously that, uh, that's been a very interesting uh, finding for us. And obviously that impacts then all the aspects on how Instagram evolves in sports organizations and how Instagram is going to be monetized. Yeah, so much to dig into with, with what you said there. But let's talk about, I suppose, initially the balance between... Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, those are kind of the, 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 the big platforms in terms of news and bashing, and bashing content out. Yes, there's YouTube in there as well, but let's talk about those three because it used to be that Facebook was the biggest, Twitter was second, Instagram was third. For the bigger clubs, it certainly flipped already that Instagram is, is, is significantly higher than Twitter. For the smaller clubs, still I find that Twitter is second. But what does that tell us about the nature of those different platforms? Is it is every club going to evolve in the same way and Instagram is going to grow bigger than Twitter? Um, and, and, and what do you think that ha- that effect uh, that, that has on um, the way clubs get their news out? Because Twitter is the sort of the rat-a-tat-tat of news. The, the question is actually sort of, we have to sort of look at it 
on, on multiple angles. Um, from from a news perspective, yeah, nothing beats beats Twitter, um, because obviously once you follow, you get access to every single tweet. It's not it's not shrinked yeah, or, or or placed into into boundaries like Facebook and, and Instagram is gonna gonna happen. So obviously each tweet is is easy to find in the chronics or in the news flow very very easily. Um, and therefore, if you just want to distribute news, Twitter will have a, a very huge significance in, in all of that. But I think, and that's where I sort of I have to take the other part of, uh, of your question is, I think Facebook is not just a news or content release platform. It's, it's a significant revenue generator for sports organizations um, where you can really implement product placements, um, partners, sponsors, they want to be part of, of the news stream um, on, on Facebook. Um, and therefore, obviously, that has been been a significant shift. And, and you look into the top third of, let's say, innovative club who are leaders in, 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 in their communities with significant communities, all of them basically monetize their, their Facebook channel um, significantly. And, and Instagram, because of the community growth, is sort of in between. Yeah, it's 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 the sixty second news uh, video update. Um, it's it's entertainment with with the content, and we can see already it starts to become a monetized channel. Um, and I don't blame obviously those clubs because all the leading clubs they know their TV license money for the years to come. Um, all the, the leading clubs they have um, stadiums pretty much filled so they have their, their ticket capacities yeah, they're in a luxury position they have no area where to generate additional revenues so they look into the digital channels to monetize and, and Twitter because of the intense news flow is very difficult to be monetized while, while Facebook and, and Instagram we see more as highlight channels much less content pieces are placed in those channels throughout the day and then throughout the entire week. And obviously a portion of that is being monetized, which is fantastic for, for, for the clubs. And Twitter is only possible to get monetized if you implement your partners onto the content pieces, like presented by, like the starting 11 is presented by somebody, um, the, the goal, the final goal visual is presented by somebody. Um, but it's not as sticky as, as Facebook and Instagram. It, it's, it's therefore, the visibility is, is reduced and obviously the values are much lower than on the, let's say, highlight platforms, Instagram and Facebook. Long answer. Apologies for that. But it's really, a, um, it's, it's really the, the, the role. Um, and we can also see that, obviously, if a sports organization plays good or bad, it really doesn't matter. And, face, uh, and Facebook, obviously, the, the community growth is impact on success or defeat on the pitch. With Twitter, it doesn't, which means for us, it's not an organic growth of your of your audience, because if you win, you gain 2000 followers a month. If you lose, you gain 2000 followers of a month. So it's not really organic growth. So therefore, um, and we know basically once you register with Twitter, you get you get suggested user lists, you get profiles recommended. And obviously sport is, is a significant anchor of Twitter and has huge relevance for the platform. So we believe that Twitter as a platform in itself pushes uh, an amount of followers into your audience and it's not just by choice. So that is what determines that difference in the performance of Facebook and Twitter in relation to, to team performance. Yes, yeah, and it's the same with, with Google+. Plus. Google+, Plus, you, you really... Uh, you, you the, the, thir the third ranked in the table until the third from bottom, they always grow between 2,000 and 2,200 followers on their peak times in 2013. So it was not um, an organic evolution of followers. It was just because of those suggested user lists of those recommendations by the, by the platform where the, where the growth come from. It was not really the nature of this being, being relevant or not. And when, therefore, we, we see a lot of similarities on Twitter and, and therefore... Um, if you look into the engagement level, which obviously is, is much more significant than just the pure community uh, growth, you, if you see on the, on the engagement, yeah, Twitter has, has a much lower engagement rate than, than Facebook and Instagram. And obviously clubs yeah, do witness that. I mean, they're, they're in the Premier League, almost every club has a digital analyst inside. They witness basically and, and look at the engagement rate. And obviously then Twitter is 
we had downgraded to number three um, in the strategy and, and Instagram's, let's say, storm towards the top two is, is because of the tremendous reach and the heavy engagement of the users. Um, and, and therefore, I don't blame the clubs. It's the right choice you know, when, when, you, when you focus on reprioritizing your digital um, is Instagram typically higher than Facebook in terms of engagement? And if so, by what multiple? We, we Just generally, it's hard to, because we're talking yeah, about but, all football clubs here. But. Yeah, but, 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 but we certainly see overall, yeah, if, if you put all football clubs in one basket, we see an overall significant, much higher reach um, on, on the average football club. Um, I would say the, the reach is possibly factor two almost but the, the engagement reach of the engagement sorry. the reach okay yeah because because obviously once a social platform like instagram is on a collective mode yeah, you want to get as many followers in the community by choice obviously you have a very huge crowd um, to focus on and obviously because of that huge crowd you get bigger reach but the engagement is actually i would say factor five right. higher than, than facebook that's my experience it, it is ha- having a ridiculous amount of engagement instagram Yes. in comparison yeah you know and even though i've had discussions with people where they're saying well you know the the algorithm means you can't treat this as a news platform blah 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 and therefore you should treat twitter this way yeah but the amount of engagement you're getting is nuts in comparison yeah absolutely to um to to twitter so pile it in there get it on there. i mean obviously don't be stupid about it but certainly you've got to what i'm saying is overemphasize it because the amount of engagement it gets just brings it all out. Now, it may be, of course, you're saying that Instagram 2017 is Facebook 2014, and this parcel is built on a certain amount of sand, and Facebook might pull the rug out from you to mix my analogies up there, but um, it's still going to be beneficial for you to build that audience and that engagement, surely. Yeah, I think yeah. what, what we see exactly, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right, but what's, what we see and, and observe is really that... that the even more important is how which role you define for a social platform. It's just not just pure distribution. You should really create a role. Why do I use Facebook? For what purpose do I use Instagram? What role has Twitter to play in my club media mix? Um, and, and therefore, once that role is defined, obviously, then the content allocation to those objectives um, is much easier. Um, and therefore, yeah, it's not the sheer amount I should have five, six, eight, twelve social media channels. Yeah, the answer could be twelve, but the answer could also be probably two only, um, because if the the purpose is really yeah, building credibility, building an image, and then subsequently after your image is established, building a brand, um, because we believe more in, in building an image, and and that's that's the purpose, because the brand is, um, is is leaning out of out of the image, and and for example like Result Sports, yeah, as you mentioned, yeah, we we're known as statisticians um, but we I think much more than that but it's good to have that sort of image that that data is reliable yeah that the industry recognizes um, our, our data credibility being very very high people look at us because of that and that's perfectly fine yeah it's way it's it's the way you promote yourself is, is those big grids that I put on my blog other people put put on their blogs as well that, that sort of that we have, your brand that you, you've yeah, put out and, there. and we're happy with that I mean we, we, we really try to to help people make use of the numbers because data is really the key. Yeah, the more relevant data you have, uh, big data is, is, is just a big bubble for me or a buzzword, but relevant data, where do I reach my audience? Which audience age group do I reach? Um, and, and therefore that's key uh, to prepare the content. And, and when you look into the challenges of Facebook 2017, is obviously the Facebook user who started to use Facebook in 2010, 2011, he was, the average was probably 24, 25 years of age. So now we are seven years along the road. So he's early 30s now. Um, and, and usually um, an early mid 30s person is less engaging and more consuming. He's, he's less sort of being the multiplicator. And therefore you see on Instagram with, with an audience of 15 to 30, it's, it's very explainable because a, a 20, 22-year-old, he wants to be recognized. He wants to sort of support his club. He's at, at the home games with the season ticket. He's traveling to as many possible away games as well, especially in Europe. And obviously that early mid-20 person is then very, very engaged with his club. And that explains the high impact of, of Facebook. You mentioned Snapchat early on and, and the success of Snapchat this year. Now, 
on the face of it, for me, there was a big wave behind Snapchat at the start, and then Instagram stories came out, and the story that was put around, and it seemed to be it was a, it was a copy, and it was designed in part to kill it off. Now, anecdotally, I see that has happened. How, do the stats support that? Yes, the, the statistics definitely definitely support that. We we, we monitor obviously the, the views of, of the Snapchat. They haven't significantly grown uh, from June to, to December this year. Um, so it's really a plateau, even slightly shrinking. There are multiple reasons for that. I mean, one's obviously that, that Snapchat yeah, keeps on keeps on uh, programming updates because obviously their, their lack of initial usability and ease of use it's been it's been fixed. Yeah, it's it's been yeah. content now can be found easier. Uh, people, friends can be found or identified easier. As handles can be found easier, and that was a huge problem for clubs. Obviously, when you promote um, your Snapchat channel, yeah, if if the the fan or the consumer or the the user just made a little typo, he couldn't find you because it just didn't give you the choices. And Instagram and Instagram stories or the developers of those, obviously, they saw those childhood bugs and childhood problems, overcome them already in their release one. Um, and, and, and you must yeah, put, put your heads off to, to Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook um, and, and the developers, because whatever new, let's say, child in town and social media networks came along the way, they quickly yeah, identified that could be a threat or not. And, and, Fate and Snapchat definitely was, was a threatening uh, platform to, to get the, the very young user um, away from Instagram or, Snap, uh, or Facebook. And basically they've, they've done very, very well in, in getting the, 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 the programming right, the focus of the programming right. And when I see in my family or, 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 or in general, um, the use of, of Snapchat definitely shrinking and the use of Instagram stories definitely on the rise. Overall, is that a bad thing? The fact that on the face of it, if Facebook can't buy you, they're going to try and copy you to kill you off. Is that a bad thing for the for the for social media in sport in general? For sports organizations, I I don't think so actually. Um, actually, it, it, it helps um, in a way because obviously it ultimately yeah, comes to the decision I have Facebook and Instagram as my two strategic club media platforms um, outside my own platforms. Um, and, and obviously that helps to allocate resources and from allocating resources, obviously preparing content because, you know, the framework. Snapchat um, and, and obviously the user and the audience of, of Snapchat is very young. Uh, you can't commercialize them at all. They, they need to be hip. It needs to be flippy. Um, and, and if you if you are in your routines at the club, they, they want to get access to content which generally is not easy to consume. So it has to be always behind the scenes. And, and if we stay at football, um, obviously there's there's limited behind the scenes. Yeah, you probably have four four weeks of those unique behind the scenes, and then you struggle to find. But what else could I show them? Because it because there's not many else behind the scenes you can do. Is you don't go into the washing room and show how the tumble dryer sort of gets the shirts dry. That's that's not really behind the scenes. Um, and and there you lose the young audience. Yeah, I, I did find that Snapchats club Snapchats got very very samey. Yes. Whereas the Instagram ones have moved more towards art, uh, and you could you could show that art, and that was one of the great things about Instagram for all of us: the fact that we could create art just off off our phones. And now clubs got more involved with getting the photographers involved, getting obviously video up now. It's still a shame you can only put a minute up on video because I think clubs would like to expand that out to two minutes at least. Yeah. And I've been in a situation with Indonesia where, where we are cutting one piece of video for YouTube, Facebook and Twitter and another piece for, in, for Instagram. And that's, that's just a bit, a, a bit of a pain, to be honest. Yeah. And I don't really yeah. see why that restriction is made. But... Overall, I'm saying there's flexibility within Instagram to to become better and better and better and improve, whereas Snapchat was was still stuck. And and yeah, I, and, I, I, and it I was. Agree. I mean, our yeah. our statistics actually show. I mean, when with with Instagram's audience being 15 to 30, and obviously Instagram Stories going really into the 15 to 20 um, year old, or even 13 to 20 possibly. Um, obviously, the attention to grab the to grab the attention of a young audience, you you have you need have ten to twelve seconds, and and if they don't see, if they don't if they're not captured in those first 10-12 seconds, 
they will stop. Um, and that's the same, I mean, if you look back YouTube a couple of years ago, the average YouTube view was 18, 19 seconds. Um, because often the title of the video was not in sync with actually the content of the video. There had been also quality problems on that. And therefore, obviously, with Instagram overall, going to a 60-second video limit is, um, I think, perfect. Because it, it really, yeah, it, it's the same for Twitter. Yeah, what you couldn't have said in 120 characters, um, it was not worth saying. Or you had to add on a tweet. So and I think Instagram going going the same way. So 60 seconds means I've got to put quality in my content. I've got to think about what I got to put in, and I can make a story yeah, of of multiple sections of of 60 seconds. Which then again, yeah, we will see in the very near future. I mean, that's why short movies have been yeah, selected for Oscars for the last 10 years because short movies they have to tell a story in a very very short time. Still picking through that first answer you gave because we're, we're, there, there was so much you, you put into that first answer. Facebook, we've seen in the last couple of months, I think I'm right saying eight of the top 13 Premier League clubs lost Facebook followers in, I think it was November and October, or certainly November. And most of them were underperforming. There's only one or two that were performing at what you would think would be normal levels. Is that true across other sports clubs or sports clubs, football clubs across Europe? And what's going on there? Why is that happening? Yeah, it's, this is really affecting all leagues um, and all sports organizations and football clubs who don't have uh, a media budget allocated. So basically they use um, their content, they place their content on Facebook in an organic way um, and, and, let, and let, the, let the post or the content grow organically. They don't push anything aside. Um, and then obviously, if you remember back March 2015, I think it was, or, yeah, it must be 2015, where Facebook did this huge clearing for, for a week, yeah, where, where clubs lost millions yeah, in, a, in a span of 48 hours. Obviously, that um, is not sort of once a year. Yeah, Facebook is doing that more regularly yeah, because often spam profiles, inactive accounts, uh, but but more the first one, obviously, spam profiles are being used because there are many thralls and, and very bad people on the platform as well. And, and Facebook's quality improvement of deleting those has significantly improved over the last 18 months. Um, but what has happened over the past couple of months, which makes it so spe special, is, is really that um, Facebook's impact on, on, on reducing the reach means that, that your, your organic post doesn't reach that many people and and because you've, you've captured already the majority of your audiences is in your in your key markets your your organic growth of social platforms does not keep up with the uh, deletion of spam profiles and inactive profiles so basically organically yeah you're shrinking although obviously it's it's a quality improvement that the ones you lose they, they are not people going away they are people yeah who want from you they want to hack you or, or ask spam profiles and want to make use of your profile in advertising on, on theirs to grow their follower base so I think it's, it's nothing to be concerned about overall the concern should be on, on preparing content on engagement and I think um, Facebook's logic algorithm where um, if you are posting four five eight ten posts a day on Facebook and, and the third fourth and fifth doesn't get a lot of engagement then Facebook's logic algorithm means that you are almost like a spammer or you're treated like a spammer, that you've got too many posts who are less engaging and the less engaging posts obviously subsequently result into that the following posts will get automatically even lesser reach. So therefore, Facebook should be seen as an highlight channel yeah, with three, four, five really, really good postings. Yeah, on non-match days, maybe only two or three postings on match day because you've got more to tell, four or five or six postings. But I would really limit that. Um, and there's an old um, saying in classical media, if you want to earn money, you've got to become rare. And therefore, those rare points, I think, will actually generate you more engagement. Again, you will see that the engagement hasn't really shrinked a lot the reach has significantly impacted, which then obviously has done a bit, but the engagement is not 20-25% less than it than, than the reach at the yeah. moment. And, and the engagement is always more important than the reach anyway, because that's how many people are actually you know, consuming the stuff and understanding the stuff. And from a, a brand perspective and partnership perspective, 
Now that's what, what's, what's going to get a, a response. But from what you're saying, we have now reached an era where you're paying for reach or you've got to produce premium quality content and not a lot of it. I, I completely agree with or, that. Or with you that, pay. That, or you pay and you put a media budget aside. And I think especially because you monetize your, your Facebook profiles, I mean, all the major clubs do have partners um, on, on Facebook. With the money you generate there, you make sure that you, you um, have a media budget put aside that you can push your most important posting per day so it doesn't drop off of reach and engagement. And, and you can see that. I mean, we can name Man City or PSG or Real Madrid who always, everybody sees, oh wow, they're still growing as big and the others don't. So the others must do something wrong or the others are not in form anymore, not providing sporting results. No, it's those clubs who, who strategically decided to have a media budget um, allocated to their Facebook postings. And obviously that means they are seen more often and, and obviously because of, because of the content they produced, um, it's so good and it provides such a quality that in their markets they're still growing. Do you think engaged users is a more valuable metric than reach these days? I mean, even though there, there, there'll be clubs that would lose the vanity of we can reach X amount of people, but re- are, you prop- are you really reaching them? Is engaged users what we need to, we need to talk about today? Yeah, I would, I would definitely say yes uh, the answer would be for me an engaged user is obviously the key and you want to you want to convert more and more users or recipients into yeah. into engaged users but clubs don't do that because the partners still talk about this many followers blah 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 so you've got to deal with that number even though we've always known for, for yeah. many years it's always about about the engagement and and you and you've, you see i mean sometimes we are criticized just to be the statistics statistics person and just look at follower base and just and just publicize uh, follower base but if you look really into the club levels i mean a social media administrator a content or a marketing agency allocator, they obviously would always argue with us that engaging is more important. And I would agree with them because engaging is the key. But as soon as you come to the boardroom level, yeah, with people probably being 50 to 70, they are always measured on follower. And, and we're, just, we're just fulfilling their need and their desire to, to have boardrooms data. Our crawler does capture engagement. Our crawler does capture where are the fans um, allocated we strategically decided not to do so because if you just say oh this this got fans in always in indonesia or always in egypt like the football benchmark has done so a fortnight ago or so or three weeks ago with with a release on follower numbers and then the data wasn't accurate yeah, because they didn't consider global pages and obviously that is hurting data industries because because it's outsiders they not work with clubs they think outsiders to provide more transparency to share the world and saying this is the best quality. We are the we are the clearinghouse. Yeah, we, we are the quality standards. I don't think personally they they are because they just trying to be. They try to be and 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 their approach might be nice, but obviously they upset quite a lot of administrators and a lot of boardroom members, which with sort of giving that sensible data so much visibility, um, because I mean the Premier League, La Liga, Bundesliga. Everybody knows that they've got a global audience. Uh, and, and, and obviously, when you look into the digital strategy of, of the Premier League teams, obviously, yeah, when you reach one, two, three million UK fans, yeah, you, you exaggerate your local market and you need to go beyond and you need to go right on that wave of your TV money. So obviously, then you've got 60 million people in the U- living in the UK and you've got 350 million people living in Indonesia and all having access to the Premier League, obviously that you attract as a successful sports club or as a successful football club, more Indonesians to follow you is very normal. But we know that, for example, a 25-year-old Indonesian football fan, he follows seven European football clubs. So the strategic questions you need to ask is, how do I get more time with that 25-year-old Indonesian, while all the other six also win. I win and they win, but what, what makes me different? What makes me unique? And that goes beyond content, and that must be engagement. And the more engaged you get this person, the more time he spends with you. That's the key. It's more digital psychology than providing transparency and where those followers are. Yeah, I mean, also, I used to say my part of my job was to create little Arsenal fans around the world 
really with digital content, and that's what was the job. And it's it's but it's 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 treat, it's treating people like in, individuals, and yet you're talking to many. That's the kind of you kind of almost say it's, it's the trick you need to pull off. Absolutely, like and, and, that, and I mean the, the the more challenging question sports and football clubs actually should ask is, am I in competition with my squad? Because if you look at Real Madrid, for example, they've got 8 million followers in Indonesia at the moment. But Cristiano Ronaldo got 9.2 million followers in Indonesia. And he did his own media tour in, he, in, uh, in Asia, South East Asia. I think it was China was, was the majority exactly. place he went to. But he did his own media tour. The first yeah. time I've seen a player yeah. do that in such an organised way. But he was mirroring what the clubs were doing five or six year, years ago uh, because I think it was on the, on the back of the... the uh, absolutely. And I, and I think actually looking, looking a little bit into the glass bowl in the next 12 to 18 months, I think the contractual relationship between the player and the club will change because at the moment the club give content free to the player from the training grounds and everything. And I think in future he, they might charge him because he's so much more following. And we've seen Chicharito, for example, when he left Bayer Leverkusen, they lost a lot of follower because they follow the player to West Ham. And West Ham gained within a matter of a week uh, a couple of hundred thousand new Mexicans. But if they would sell Chicharito tomorrow to Crystal Palace, those 200,000, they will go to Crystal Palace. So are we in a, a situation now where... Talking about that relationship between club and player, if Ronaldo went from Real Madrid to Crystal Palace, okay, and Crystal Palace would gain millions of followers because it's Cristiano Ronaldo, because that's who he is. Or is that more marked than it's ever been? Because the personality of the players is always greater than the personality of, of the clubs because they can be individual, they're, they're just more sexy and they get more social media followers. It's always been that case where you've got you've got players up high, you've got clubs uh, some way down and then you've got leagues more boring. That's the kind of scale of boredom, as it were. So players are going to be in that position where they they can have a tremendous amount of social media pull, but of course they don't have the backing of the team behind them in any way near the sort of Manchester United has a partnership team, a social media team, an editorial team, a digital team, IT team, all fueling this. I don't know what Ibra has behind him, but I, I would suggest it's smaller than that team fueling Manchester United, and yet in social media terms, he has the potential to be a bigger entity. Yeah, I, I agree, and we, we just we have a real life scenario since the summer. Yeah, with Neymar move from FC Barcelona Neymar. to Liga, Liga, because Liga on a global level was never a global league. Yeah, it had it had in its regional pockets where French as a language was was relevant, uh, Morocco, Algeria, um, Ivory Coast, yeah, certain pieces in Africa, certain pieces in in um, in Asia, but not broadly. Liga was not really a, a competitive top three, top four league. But Neymar moving in those in this league now um, is 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 put them on a global map, um, and the league R has now significantly more relevance on a global level just through signing Neymar. And when you see now the benefit that nobody ever would have known, OGC Nice or FC Metz or 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 Lorraine or AC Strasbourg, but when Neymar now scores a goal against those opponents, obviously they are on a global scale known because Neymar is there. So. Obviously, it, it has a tremendous impact uh, and League R with that signing. And I, I personally believe that League R um, has, yeah, is, is sort of sitting here and, and clapping and, and being full pride to have, have been able to get a player on. So, um, therefore, yeah, I don't see any punishment of PSG on the financial fair play because it, it, he, he had, yeah, he, Neymar signing helped League R to be a global relevant league. PSG to be obviously a, a global a European contender for, for much more success to strive. And obviously, um, he is the undisputed number one socially and on the pitch for the entire league. So obviously, he made with his move a lot of things right. And um, he's still at young at age, yeah, he's 25, yeah, let him play another six, seven years. Um, if, if I would divide yeah, 220 million euro transfer money through seven years playing, then you are at about... 40, 45 million and you see 45 million transfers in the Premier League at every transfer window for the last three or four terms. So it's just, if you just break it down, it's just literally how often does such a huge player comes onto the market and that value comes in, I, I agree. Yeah, But if, let's say, somebody who's played 30 appearances for a Premier League team mid-table 
um, and then he's been hyped so heavily by the media and then people pay 40 million for him. I question that much more than the 200 million paid for Neymar because he really put league uh, on a global landscape into a significant digital playing area where league R had no relevance at all. And increasingly, is a Leeds relevance seen in digital terms? I mean, you, you're talking about Liga A there. You've also got La Liga, who is trying to develop its international profile because the Premier League is seen as kind of, well, it, it earns more money for its TV rights. Okay, So you've got the element of a Leeds profile is, is, is valued in its TV rights almost, and yet one of the ways of, of, of expanding its profile and developing to chase those TV rights is via digital methods and we've seen that with the Bundesliga uh, and you're seeing that with La Liga so are those the tactics and the, and the way you get to those kind of um, results these days yeah absolutely right I mean and, and obviously now all the the primary markets yeah the primary objectives yeah the good wealthy countries they are they are almost already conquered yeah and then we, we probably go back into into the 15th century when the world was was sort of um, un uncovered and, and and found and it's it's pretty much yeah, following the same same principle and now obviously the challenge is um, Facebook yeah in, in in North America Canada and, and US um, and in Europe it's, it's saturated yeah, because because it, the age the aging is, is Facebook will reach a demographical challenge um, in the years to come, um, and that's that's a problem they need to solve, um, and therefore it's it's much more critical now to to go into your efforts into with with the, with the digital strategy, um, identify core markets, yeah, core growth markets, um, and and they reside most of the most of the time at the moment still in Asia. But in a, in a year from now, Asia will be saturated and then you look into Africa. And that's one reason why we launched um, a Digital African um, Initiative from Africa for Africa, because I personally believe that Africa should not fall back 10 years behind again and should, should ride that digital wave as well, because there are you know, big contenders around as well. So, yeah, it's, it's becoming really a, a strategic instrument. And I think as football, sport, as football clubs need to change a little bit their internal structure because the majority of digital potential is unused because internal processes are not clear um, and and if it's just residing with the media department obviously they want to, to broadcast but it needs to go on to a strategic level marketing and sales need to be involved it needs to be a profit center and therefore you need to go with a strategy internationally um, and I think La Liga has a very good approach uh, identified it and um, and but you can cluster it throughout the leagues yeah where where the UK is the, the the Premier League is known everywhere and the Premier League has really achieved that all clubs are very much known yeah pretty much everybody in Asia knows even Stoke yeah or West Bromwich Albion um, they are a visible. If if you if you put those names out, people know they allocated it belongs to Premier League. The Bundesliga has actually stayed too long behind the strategy. Yeah, and, and internet in Asia or in Africa or in, in in Europe, Borussia Dortmund, Bayern are the key known, and Bayern obviously by far uh, ahead. Um, and then some areas because of players being around, people know Schalke, people know Leverkusen, but then it struggles. Yeah, if you go to Asia, nobody knows the Mainz 05 or an FC Cologne or an SC Freiburg, and that's the role of a league. So when I look, and, and, and I, we, can, we can even look into, let's say, the, the German Ice Hockey League or the, the Swiss National Hockey League. So their role in the digital world is that Clubs are known regionally in their region, and the role of the league is to make the clubs nationally known. Yeah, and then once once you're nationally known, you grow internationally. Football leagues like Premier League and La Liga, they already are globally known. Obviously, their role is to make their clubs obviously be known. Yeah, and, and give the clubs the the, the reach um, in in or the the, uh, the objective in those areas. And 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 again. The Premier League is, is very smart in, in moving its clubs around and not only keep letting the, the top four or five going into certain areas, but also supporting smaller clubs yeah, to have competitions in Hong Kong or in, in Kuala Lumpur or in Jakarta 
or in Melbourne or in Sydney or um, in those areas. Interesting enough is that not many of the clubs go to South America. Yeah, not, no, no teams have played in La Plata uh, or Montevideo or in Uruguay or in, in, in Brazil because that I think obviously yeah, there's less money to be earned. Um, but the headcount of people is, is exactly as big as in Asia. So I wonder yeah, when, when that continent yeah, will be much more focused on because the football talent will be, will be, um, will be beneficial. And clubs like Shakhtar Donetsk, for example, they do it very smartly. They do their training camps in Brazil. That's why they have many Brazilians in their squad. Um, they are very known as, as yeah, if, if you play in your starting lineup in Brazil, in Shakhtar Donetsk, then you're ready for big European teams and they've proven it with many players. So they have a very, very good reputation and image in Brazil. And most of the European clubs, they just seen as, yeah, they, my players are there. So once the player moves, the fans will follow the player. But Shakhtar Donetsk, for example, is because they are like a transition club from giving it an opportunity for a younger Brazilian player to play regularly and then move on. Yeah, William at Chelsea, Henry Mkhitaryan at Man United, Fernandinho at Man City, Douglas Costa now in, uh, in Juventus. They've got so many examples where they, where they, say, where they can share, show Brazilian young talent saying, hey, come to us. We make sure that you you're ready for the big players uh, for the big teams, and then we we let you go once once the approach comes. So they I think have a much less digital community impact than a West Ham going to Crystal Palace or West Ham player going to Crystal Palace. So I think um, it's the role on your approach on digital which defines yeah your sustainability of the community. Yeah, I was going to ask you who's doing it right, and you give me one example, one specific example for. Shakhtar and but but that's also with Shakhtar almost accepting their role within the within the football world <laughs> and clubs don't often do that to be honest they always want to be uh, they're, they're greedy clubs are, clubs are greedy in terms of uh, football success but financial success and it's one of the things that's thrown back at football these days it's become very greedy and money orientated so who's doing it correctly in terms of growing organically, sensibly organized with digital, presumably high up or, or storytelling high up in the organization with doors open at least to it because that's one of the problems that I've found that don't get in the way of the players, don't get in the players' heads and create content because they're, they, they're focused on the game. Well, that's when, the, when they're focused on the game is when the best content happens. So there's always going to be that little bit of a clash. Um, and you need to be less protective and more open as a club in to, to your internal media, especially. Who's doing that correctly? Yeah, I mean, there, there are a few examples. And obviously one really being in, in Germany with, with Bayern Munich. Yeah, because ultimately they, they sort of looked at themselves saying, where do I want to be as a club? Yeah, not only digitally, yeah, where, where do I want to be as a club? Yeah, am, I, am I renowned or am I known worldwide? Yeah, and for what am I known? And then they realized that through that the players are brand ambassadors, that they implemented yeah, the legends into, into their strategy, that it's um, overall an approach. And, and you can see yeah, capturing low-hanging fruits yeah, with, through the players in those countries. And now it's becoming much more strategic approach um, with, with offices in New York, offices in, in, in Shanghai, uh, in Hong Kong, and, and, and setting up a global infrastructure and having a combination of digital slash online and offline activities, yeah, organizing fan meetings in, in bars, yeah, fan gatherings, uh, helping, assisting and pushing um, those activities. I think that's something where, where they do it very, very right. Pretty much all leading clubs yeah, in digital do it, do it fairly good. But what, uh, about, well, what about the middling clubs? Because the leading clubs have money. And money solves a lot of issues. Yeah. So who's getting great bang for their buck down the down the middle to lower end of La Liga or Premier League or Liga or Serie A or Bundesliga? Anyone doing a really good job there? Probably. I mean, obviously, with with Inter Milan and AC Milan now now under under Chinese ownership, obviously funding is a little bit easier internally to allocate the resources. Um, but not overstepping the activities, and especially Inter Milan, sort of building a media house, building an infrastructure, um, being a little bit more independent from, from sporting results and, and having sort of the ability to, to 
leverage the tradition, the history of the club, the great players of the club, sending those players combined online and offline. I think they are doing um, a very sensitive and, and good movement at the moment, um, what, what we observe. But again, yeah, like I said, I, I wanted to shift to yeah, the traditionalists like Man United. Uh, they're globally known and they foster it and they strengthen it and, and then obviously use their players as, as brand ambassadors traveling. They use their legends to go abroad and sort of keep maintaining activities. Um, and that's where they do very, very good. So therefore, yeah, Barca, Real Madrid yeah, in Spain is doing very well. Um, and, and all the others try to catch up a little bit. Yeah, But Atletico has done very well in getting recognition, yeah, building, strengthening. And with their new stadium, obviously, then yeah, it will be even more story they have to tell. Tottenham is doing pretty okay yeah, with, 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 with the story. Um, but it's the sustainability. Um, and there are always setbacks and, 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 and ultimately you should define a two-year objective what you want to achieve and then set yourself milestones uh, each quarter um, to measure yourself where you want to be. And those, those strategic objectives and goals, they should be aligned with obviously the overall club's role. Therefore, I, it's, it's a very difficult question because we can see, I mean, Borussia Dortmund is also one yeah, where the true love for Esther Liebe campaign goes around the world and, and sticking to their own identity. Yeah, you mentioned greed and you mentioned all, all of those challenges. Yeah, and and, and um, we have examples where, where German football clubs travel to China, travel to Indonesia on a 48-hour trip just for a friendly um, making sometimes even launching a digital channel just for that purpose of the trip and coming home with, with 200,000 euros in their pocket and then forget basically the, to fill up the digital channels uh, after that and, and they have nothing to tell anymore. So it comes back to monetization efforts. And I think therefore um, those short-term commercially relevant trips, they should be implemented into an overall two-year plan. It should follow a strategic objective, yeah, which is online and offline or digitally and, and offline connected. And, should, should, and, then, and then you can explain really that the digital is part of your overall club's objective. Um, and, and therefore, I, I couldn't tell that yeah, a Stoke or a West Brom or something, they, they're doing it well. Because if, if tomorrow the sporting results are not there, if, they, if they're fighting for relegation, everything is then dependent on the pitch. Because yeah, if, if they would go down uh, um, into, into a championship or into here, into the second Bundesliga, they know that yeah, inside the staffing will be reduced, budgets will be cut. So, so obviously I don't blame them. But if, if, if ultimately a two-year objective is agreed on, then obviously you can still sort of continue that, that flow. Um, and therefore, um, we, I, would, I would really suggest getting, into, getting digital and uh, digital activities into, implemented into your strategic objective and set really strategic goals for it. And they're... I mean, like Manchester City, um, they, they're doing it very well internationally, yeah, but, but then struggle locally, yeah, because obviously yeah, it's, we have the same in Germany with Wolfsburg and, 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 and Bayer Leverkusen. So what Manchester City should do or is doing is obviously locally, domestically in the UK, they don't need to tell that they are an emotional, successful football club because everybody would smile at them saying, hey, I mean, with your financial conditions, you are, it's, it's an unfair competition or it's an unfair com contest. But somebody in Indonesia doesn't know the unfair contest. He sees the results. Obviously, your international strategy should be, I'm a successful, emotional, passionate football club. And that's what Manchester City is doing extremely well. And obviously, therefore, they, they're growing internationally globally on a significantly higher level and obviously now with obviously their, their plans of, of, uh, of city football groups clubs around yeah, with Melbourne City New York City FC obviously they give in that that local identity back and I think that's a very smart move because obviously then you see those far distant yeah, Premier League teams and they are great they're doing well they do, they're very successful especially this season 12, 13 points ahead in, in, in the league. And obviously that is where you capture a lot of a lot of the communities. But the next step is once you capture them, you need to make sure they engage with you. And that's the key. And, and, and obviously somebody is more engaging with something local than something far, far away. And therefore having then local representatives through the clubs, that is, is a smart move. 
um, to to get the engagement, also to obviously to the mothership of Manchester City FC in, in Manchester. It used to be the way it was seen that overseas fans would move from the champion to champion each year. You know, if Arsenal was champion, they'd be, be all with Arsenal. And if Chelsea was champion, then Man City was champion, then Liverpool was champion. They would move to to those clubs. Does that still happen? Because if they're following six or seven clubs, aren't they, aren't they following the six or seven top clubs and they're not moving? Because they're following those rump of clubs that are likely to win anyway. Or are they still shifting around? I mean, they were shifting in engagement, I would think, but maybe not in that pure room. The shifting has definitely been 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 shrinking i would say because it's because of the focus of on the impact of the players and the visibility and and obviously the ability to follow the player so that that shifting is still there uh it's, it's very limited on on the club level um therefore i yeah i mean somebody who's, who's even your grassroots activities should be involved in your digital campaign because you don't convert a 25 or a 30 year old football fan who is sort of leaning towards Arsenal or leaning towards Liverpool. You don't convert him into anything anymore. But an eight year old yeah, with, your, with training camps and a shirt, you impact him obviously very, very heavily. And that's why I'm saying if your strategic objective needs to be aligned between online and offline activities, you start at grassroots and you get those fans that they don't shift anymore and you don't bond them. So, and obviously then you prevent shifting uh, because of, at a very early age, yeah, you impact it. And that's what we do yeah, with our cultures. Yeah, I try to, yeah, you try your son to be an Arsenal supporter and fan. And you He's succeed. got no choice. Man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no yeah, choice. Yeah, I mean, you succeeded and so do I. And I failed with my oldest, but I, my youngest sort of is still on a good track. <laughs> but no, I remember Arsenal when I used to go around in the stands giving me badges and I would give them out to find kids and give them out to kid to kids and say this is a present from Arsenal because I kind of thought that kid if they think they're getting a present from Arsenal under the age of 10 the fact is it's a present from Arsenal it doesn't matter what it is obviously it was only a badge only a pin badge but for someone from England to say this is a present from Arsenal and looking them in the eye and saying that so I did that in a whole stance just because I thought that was the right thing to do and part of the job of growing for Arsenal fans around the world. And just with your statistical head on, I know you're more than statistics, but one thing I wanted to ask you about is, and this is a bit of a leap, but do you have rules of thumb? For example, 25% of your Twitter followers are going to be fake. 30% of your video views are going to be wrong. Or do you have rules of thumb that you can tell us that you've worked out statistics? I think that's quite useful because there's fakery everywhere in all, in all sorts of statistics. But there's also ways to reinterpret it we know a facebook view is different from a youtube view and therefore it needs to be seen differently sometimes it's trumpeted as the same which is wrong so exactly. what, what rules of thumb do you use with our own crawler obviously we tried to sort of benchmarking on the real terms yeah, i mean a facebook view is counted after three seconds a youtube view is counted after 10 seconds was it 10 so um, study um well, there's just, just two separations actually now in the statistics of YouTube. You see a 10 second, then a 30 seconds, and then beyond. So they've, they've put that measure also in because they obviously, when Facebook stipulated the numbers into enormous highs, obviously YouTube needed to counter that a little bit saying, yeah, we're not that far off. Um, so, so yeah, you can, you can get those statistics out. Um, but coming back, Twitter... We, we're actually more looking into the overlapping community and we can see that obviously that an average football club follower on Facebook, on Twitter and on YouTube, you can see an overlap of 30% to 40% of followers who are actually following you on Twitter and on Facebook. That's something which we observe. The, the overlap between Facebook and Instagram is at the moment about 20% mm. and, and because of the younger audience. So the overlap is not... not that significant and and therefore obviously cross postings yeah on facebook and on you on twitter they should be avoided because obviously you you get the same person twice and obviously he then you know gets probably frustrated or, or something he tunes you out yeah exactly tunes you out he follows basically you know he he adjusts to his own user behavior and follows you on your on the platform he uses most and then you put something on your new platform um but fake fakery more on the statistics is, is we we try to really be able to to have apple to apple comparisons and oranges to oranges and not to have a to b uh, which which not mean so so yeah, we we basically our crawler we, we try to have numbers higher and our fa and our facebook views uh another 20 percent 
lower than actually the, the already now reduced views. Um, and, and therefore that's that's the fakery that, that we will see those alignments made. And, and Facebook obviously is, is I think, um, interested to have uh, best possible quality on the platform. Twitter's fakery is also fairly high. Yeah, I would say it's, it's really the impressions shown are, are, are 25, 30% too high to the engagement. Um, and that's a much more rudimentary problem for myself because Twitter has never really focused on giving out statistics or improving the statistics in their platform. We are able to monitor and analyze because Twitter has two APIs. Yeah, the REST API, which looks after the profile um, and their followers, the ones you follow and your followers. So you can see where are they located, what are they doing in general. But then you have the stream API, which is the stream API tracks all the tweets you send out and who engages with your tweets. So the first check obviously we do is, yeah, is the REST API and the stream API and match those against each other um, to see that uh, are the followers engaging with you because that's something Twitter doesn't tell you automatically. And that's something we added on to our crawler. So to make it again, yeah, matching those two APIs, first of all, to really see um, are my followers engaging. Um, and, and, and because yeah, as an administrator on Facebook, for example, if you place a Facebook post, the first 10 comments come in, you as a social media administrator know the first five, six guys because they're always the same. They always want to be the first to comment or to appreciate it. On Twitter, it's much more challenging. And therefore, uh, we've, 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 we've strengthened that analysis um, very smartly, I think. And then we benchmark. That's something we're very unique, actually. We benchmark with other statistics statistics tools or statistic solutions like on twitter for example we work very closely with tweetbinder which is um, a spanish solution which which sort of makes competitions um, and captures basically based on hashtags or, or based on um, competitive games yeah vote your starting 11 um, and and tweetbinder has the same methodology yeah both both apis localization of those and generating heat maps of where people engage are engaged with you i think that's going to be the future because yeah, when um, and you need to create con with with facebook the reach yeah, um, instagram will do the same so if you look into your data and know or identify where are those people engaging with me creating heat maps where the people engage and then obviously um, you, you see pockets where you want uh, engagement to improve, then you, you, you test content segmented to the area to improve, improve the engagement. Like I said, it will become much more psychological in the approach to get users interact with you. And, and therefore, yeah, the fakery is, is, is an issue uh, across all platforms. Um, but, but our um, approach is really to, to create the same standards across all the platforms. And so that makes us fairly unique and we monitor 28 social networks. So there's much more beyond. Um, we see, is there anybody threat coming up, threatening the big players? But so far, uh, it doesn't look like that Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube are, are heavily impacted over the next 12 to 18 months. Although, yeah, dug out trying to bring people abroad, but it's just, it's just a landing page at the end of the day. Um, and, and people struggle to engage with the landing page. So it's just basically clickbaiting um, users, a couple of companies which which are very interesting to observe is, is Amazon. Uh, we see that there will be a lot happening with Amazon, but not more on the right side. But Amazon for me is a social network already because you feel it's a social network. For we me, class it as a social. Network. I, we class it as a social network, but but obviously with a very very heavy commercial um, focus, um, and, and and that's the advantage because obviously. Um, if, if you and me travel to Amazon and see the content and then we get approached on saying, hey, I mean, you visited the last time and then you see that advert in your Facebook news stream um, because you've looked at it and then obviously it, it, it matches brain and stomach yeah, because most of the purchasing decisions are from the stomach where the brain sort of switches off. But if the brain has been told many times that your saving is 30% or 20% or 50%, then obviously you're buying it. But clubs do actually exactly the same. You know, when they're selling off, you're getting a 20% discount or the scoring player, you get the print shirt print for free. It's pretty much the same. And then they obviously they see the same user behavior. So if you give something as a discount, then people buy it more. 
Yeah. And that's the Amazon approach. So therefore, we classify that two years ago as a social network because it basically has every ingredient to have um, a, a social capability. I was going to ask you last question, and you've, you've gone there already, but to, to, to develop it further, just last one. We've been talking about 2017. What do you foresee? What are your predictions, your feelings going forward for this space, football, social media, 2018 and beyond? Um, we see a lot more differentiation. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've seen three phases overall. So the adoption phase from 2006, seven, yeah, with Real Madrid, Barcelona starting on, on Facebook to 2011-ish yeah, for the majority. Then you have the optimization phase yeah, where we've, we've been confident that the communities grow, that, um, that, that you, you're happy enough to, to and, and had lots of arguments internally to, to, to play out more social media channels. And then 2015-ish was the differentiation phase uh, started. And the differentiation phase means what makes me as a football club unique? Yeah, where do I sort of yeah, be unique compared to all my other rivals and competitors? And then obviously in that uniqueness obviously came monetization came content creation um, much more. So obviously we see that cultural marketing in 2018 will become much more relevant because a football fan in Indonesia wants different content than a football fan in Brazil and a football fan in North America. So you will see the distribution of content going into the world will be separated because, because um, in the US, for example, where a football fan in Europe, UK or, or Germany is looking for the next weekend game as the highlight. In the US, it's basically, it's just not the highlight. It's just part of the entertainment um, and, and the part of the society. So that therefore, obviously, European football clubs understanding the cultural needs in North America will shape uh, and impact the content creation. And therefore, I'm saying um, content will be much more optimized in those areas, in those regions. Sponsorship will be will be much more relevant, but but sponsors' expectations will be also um, be impacted in 2018, where where today um, a, a sponsor, a big sponsor, saying um, I, I want to reach 100,000 people with with this budget, um, and then the club charges uh, him for that budget. Next year, he might say. Um, I want to reach 100,000 people in the area where my product has been bought. So I want it to be in region A, B, C, and then you need to prove it. So that involvement comes in and the digital analyst will be much more relevant on that. Um, content distribution already mentioned, commercialization. There will be less sponsors coming in with products to be distributed on the social channels. It will be more the clubs sort of creating a catalog, a content catalog of products they are offering because obviously they don't want to be hurt by, by a product which is first of all not really associated to the club and then obviously will impact reach and impact engagement and, and that will hurt them again on, on the overall edge ranking um, in the search methodologies. So there, there will be much more content catalogs commercialization and um, because of the um, exaggeration of, of the markets, um, the, the clubs will be much more focusing on, let's say, primary markets and secondary markets where growth, engagement and everything will come in. But, and I, I personally think that we, a little bit, I hope actually, that we will see that um, football clubs go away from offering 15 social platforms and maybe go down to eight because they, they see that the others don't fulfill the purpose of their strategy. I think that will happen as well. Um, we will see that certain platforms will not be, they will be deleted. I wouldn't recommend having them yeah, as a ghost town yeah, with your last post being placed in 2016 or 2017. Um, and I think that that's gonna be happened, um, the alignment. And I think a final one, obviously, we will see a lot of internal organization adjustments where ticketing, marketing, merchandising and digital will all be involved in creating a normal process. And I also forecast that the sporting department, which is very unique and very far, above, far away from all the other departments at the moment, will be more integrated. And I think, um, for example, if you have two or three players scouted yeah, by, by the scout, um, and saying these, they could really be strong enforcements that this scout or the, the sporting director will go to the marketing director and saying, what will this player bring us digitally? Yeah, will he give us new audiences? Will he, will he bring us 
um, bigger followership in those areas that I will see sort of I would call them social digital signings um, but on a very high level because we've seen digital signings two or three years ago they haven't worked because the Chinese guy in Wolfsburg was bored because of digitalization and reaching a community but he never managed to, to get into the squad <laughs> neither on the pitch and obviously that impacted a lot but we will see those those digital stars yeah, they will becoming more impactful and probably more valuable um, in the future when leaving the club like Neymar showed us Marilea, thank you very much thank you You've been listening to Sport, Digital and Social with Mr. Richard Clark. Rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. You can find Richard on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram by searching for at Mr. Richard Clark or at his website, MrRichardClark.com. Richard Clark.com.